Good morning. So great to be here worshiping together today. So I was preparing for this message today. I was thinking most buildings are not built overnight. First, there's an idea that there even needs to be a building. Then maybe there's a rendering or a drawing, something that's showing what the building's going to look like when it's done, when it's finished. Next, there's blueprints with all kinds of details and measurements and specifications. I'm probably leaving some stuff out too, but then there's the, the gathering of money and materials that will be needed for construction. When the plans are finished and the funding is in place, you can break ground and start construction. And so now we're at the actual construction, which can take months or sometimes years, depending on the building. And even after the construction is done, the building still has to be furnished. Then it's finally ready for occupancy. We've been following the story of God's people through the Old Testament book of Exodus. And in our story, we've seen God rescue his people out of Egypt, provide for them all along their journey, lead them as he forms them into his people. We've heard the people declare their obedience and their faith, but we've also heard them grumble and complain. We've seen the people follow God's instruction, but we've also seen them take matters into their own hands. We've heard God be both merciful and just in his dealings with his people. And at this point in the journey through Exodus, We've already been given the instructions for the building of the tabernacle. That was a few chapters ago. This is the place where God will come meet his people, his tabernacle. And at this point in the story, there's been an unexpected delay, as there often is with building projects. But this one was a little different. The people had sinned. They had set up an alternative worship service around the golden calf that they made as an idol. But God had forgiven their sin through Moses' intercession, and now they're ready to start construction. Now, before we get into the next part of the text, the book of Exodus, I want to say just a couple things about this, this whole next section of the book itself, the few chapters. Exodus chapters 35 through 39 may seem redundant. As you read these chapters, you'll notice that they're almost a word-for-word -word repetition of earlier chapters, chapters 25 through 31. Sometimes our tendency is to skim through repetition like this or even skip over it completely. However, it's not good to skip things in the Bible. <laughs> when God repeats himself, there's a reason and usually a good one. And when we pause to think about it actually, there's a few things to note about repetition itself. Repetition was actually common in ancient literature. Repetition was, uh, or, or even is accepted, I can say today, as, as a good way to tell a story. Repetition can build suspense. Repetition also reinforces memory. That's how we remember things. We repeat it. But I think there's another reason that Exodus repeats itself, a more important reason in this particular case. And this particular repetition, it's even hard to say repetition, this particular repetition it's in place to showcase Israel's obedience. Like us, the Israelites had a hard time following God's instruction sometimes. 
They had a hard time doing what God said. The first time that God gave them his plans for the tabernacle, they weren't really paying close attention. Then they went off and they were doing their own thing. And this led to trouble. Remember, the making of the golden calf as an idol and worshiping it as a nation. That's what I mean by trouble. (laughs) But this time, they're actually setting out to obey God's instructions. And so this seeming redundancy, it's there in these chapters for a wonderful reason, to show Israel's obedience. Our passage for today will be Exodus chapters 35 and 36. You can turn in your Bibles to the beginning of Exodus 35, either your physical Bible on an app. Um, Our notes for today are also available uh, through the Nova Community Church app and on our website, and the main passages we're going to highlight are included in your notes. We will not be reading through the entirety of these two chapters, but we'll focus on some different sections, and we'll look at these in some different parts rather than reading them all at one time. But our first part comes from the beginning of Exodus 35. Verses 1 and 2, and then verses 4 through 10. So I'll begin, and I'll read this passage for us. Exodus 35, beginning in verse 1. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. And then we'll move to verse 4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram's skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded." God's word for us today, Exodus 35, 1 and 2, and verses 4 through 10. As we begin this next part of the story of Exodus, the Israelites, as I said, are in the place where they're about to begin the construction of the tabernacle, the actual building of it. Remember, God's already given them the specifics of how to do this and what to use. And here, God also gives some more instruction through Moses. One important thing here is they're to remember their holy day, the Sabbath. This is where it begins. Even with the task as important as building God's tabernacle, the task is not as important as who the task is for. In other words, don't get caught up in the project and forget worship. This is an incredible reminder right at the beginning of the building of the tabernacle It's also a great reminder for me, too, because I'm a task-oriented person. (laughs) Left to my own, I'll sit in my office and close the door and just try to get a whole bunch of work done. I'm a task-oriented person, and so this is a fantastic reminder at the beginning of this project. So that's one important thing, in addition to just the instructions they had given through Moses. The next important thing mentioned is that they were to take an offering with each person giving out of what they have. 
it's worth noting that there's not a specific way to give or, or a specific amount that's specified for each person. And this kind of flies in the face of what we might think today if you've been involved in raising funds for anything at all. Some fundraisers would have advised Moses to tell everybody how much they're supposed to give or at least communicate a suggested amount for donation. This was actually Aaron's approach when he made the golden calf. He told them what to give and he had them bring it and give it. But God's way is different than ours. God told his people to build, or excuse me, to bring their offerings, to build the tabernacle, to make the furnishings, and to dress the priests. And as we will see over these next few chapters, this is exactly what they'll do. God's way is different, and God is lifted up and exalted when we do what he tells us to do and not doing it our way. For the next part of the story, we're going to move down in Exodus 35 to verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the sacred garments. Exodus 35, verses 20 and 21 from God's Word. After Moses asked them to give, he sent them home to decide what they should give. This is interesting. Moses doesn't use any manipulative techniques. Nobody was asked to make a quick decision or a public decision about what they were going to give. There was no manipulation here. And the fuller text of the chapter, we didn't read the whole thing, but it'll go on. And it says things like this, and it comments, everyone came whose heart was stirred, everyone whose spirit was willing, all the women whose hearts were stirred, a free will offering to the Lord. This idea of the freedom in the offering, it's repeated and it's emphasized over and over multiple times. So we see that the people gave what they could because not everybody could give gold or precious gems. They just couldn't. Some could only give goat's hair. And it sounds maybe kind of funny, but certainly a gift of goat's hair would have been just as welcome in God's sight as a gift of gold, especially when given with the right heart. Because after all, goat's hair was on the list of things that were needed for the building of the tabernacle. And so it's good to remember this offering came from God's command, not from Moses' clever fundraising techniques. This also reveals God's normal way of providing for and channeling resources into his work through the gifts given from his people with a willing heart. This is how God works. In our story, let's look ahead to verses 30 through 35 of the same chapter. Exodus 35, 30 through 35. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Oholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, 
embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. In God's word, we see here that it is more than just finances that were given. There's all kinds of materials, and they all came from the Israelites. The people gave from what they had, and this is the way that they participated in God's work. In the church today, we have similar opportunities to give to God. Everything that we have comes from him in the first place, right? And now it's our privilege to use it for his service. And so we bring our financial offerings for supporting God's work. And some of the money goes to the building where we meet and gather for worship. Some of it goes to the pastor so he can devote his life to the ministry of God's word. Some of it goes to other staff who help us to grow in grace and serve Jesus and the church. Some of it goes to outreach among the poor and the lost in the community. Some of it goes to support the work of missions in our community and around the world. Our financial offerings really do support gospel ministry through God's local church here at Nova, and that's important. But there's another aspect of giving that's also important. We offer God also what we do. Building the tabernacle took more than precious metals and wood and fine fabrics. It also required the use of people's talents. Making all these things required a large number of people with a wide range of skills. This is an important principle that also applies in the church today because the Bible teaches that every Christian has spiritual gifts and God uses these gifts to build his kingdom. It also teaches that we should use the particular gifts that God has given us. The New Testament talks about teachers should teach, leaders should lead, helpers should help, and so on. The Israelites gave to God out of their finances. They also gave to God out of what they do. And we should also note that not only did the people do the right thing in giving to God, they also did it, the text tells us, for the right reason. It's important to understand how the people gave. They gave willingly and from the heart. And this is the kind of giving, really, that God always wants. More than anything else, what God wants from us is our hearts. No matter what we give or what we do, God wants it to flow out of who we are. Something happens, something that happens next in our story, it's very interesting. It's kind of amazing, I think, actually. And this is in chapter 36 of Exodus. Chapter 36, verses 1 through 7. And so Bezalel, Ohaliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. And then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, 
the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Exodus 36, verses 1 through 7. This is really interesting. And here we see this magnificent picture of generosity. Moses had to tell them to stop giving. (laughs) After they had brought enough, they were told to stop. On a side note, this also shows the integrity of Moses. He didn't gather more than what was needed. God told him to take an offering for the building of the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle was provided for, the offering was over. Their purpose wasn't to collect an endless amount of resources, but it was to put those resources into action to do God's work and accomplish God's will. And chapter 36 of Exodus continues in the very next verse. We're just going to read the first part of verse 8. And it tells us, all those who were skilled among the workers made the tabernacle. And the rest of chapter 36, we're not going to read the whole thing. But it details the building of the tabernacle exactly according to the instruction they were given. Basically, word for word, detail for detail. This time, the Israelites weren't just paying attention. They were locked in. They were completely focused. Not building a god of their own, an idol, and worshiping it but locked in and focused on what God was having them do. And they were participating in God's plan, and they were following God's instructions for them. And they knew not only God's plan, but they also knew God's mercy firsthand because he didn't destroy them after their huge mistake. (laughs) They made this idol and they worship another God. And God even said, if you remember the text that he was going to destroy them. And he didn't. He relented. And so they knew God's mercy firsthand. Building the tabernacle was the task that they were called to do. And their obedience itself was a contribution to God's work. And it wasn't just certain people, we read in the text, or just the leaders, like the two mentioned, Bezalel and Oholiab. The whole nation was invited to contribute to the tabernacle And everyone had something to give. And these few chapters in the book of Exodus, they go through all of this in detail, word for word, point for point. They show and they highlight and they proclaim the obedience of God's people as they build the tabernacle. And so this here, it's a beautiful showcase now of Israel's obedience after their mistake. Here at Nova. We've recently gone through a building campaign of our own. If you've been around these last few years, you've, you've watched and seen uh, the, the different aspects as we've journeyed through the different stages of the open project and the process, from the dreaming and the drawings, through the funding, and on into the construction and delays. Thankfully, our delays were not because of a false idol and the wrong kind of worship. Um, different kind of delays, construction delays. But for the Israelites, the story didn't end when the building project was completed. 
We don't get there in our chapters today, but the story doesn't end there. And our story doesn't end there either. The journey of obeying God and living our lives for Him, it continues. And while we may not always be building something, and while we especially aren't always building a tabernacle, we're part of the same mission, to make God's glory known. Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations. In other words, to fill the earth with worshipers. <laughs> that's one paraphrase. That's the Pastor Adam paraphrase of that verse. Jesus tells us to fill his earth with people who are going to worship him and follow him. And while we're not necessarily worshiping in the tabernacle like the Israelites were, we are worshiping with our lives. In this part of Exodus, all the supplies needed for making everything were listed out. But there was also a call for the craftsmen. It wasn't just about the supplies. All of the people were told to contribute, to be a part of the mission of God. We read that when Moses called for the craftsmen, the text tells us everyone whose heart moved him came to do the work. So not only was everybody involved in the offering, everybody, everybody was involved in some way in building God's house. And if you're supposed to be a part of the mission of God, I think you need to ask an important question. Because again, the text said, everyone whose heart moved him. And that question is this, where's your heart? The apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We need this kind of heart. This is what the Israelites lived out, and that scene had to have been amazing. The people willingly giving and doing so generously. But generous giving only comes from a heart that is moved or has been moved by God's grace. When we give, we show that we've been moved by God's grace. The Apostle Paul also wrote this a little earlier in the same letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Generosity, generous giving, comes from a heart that's been changed, something deep inside of us. So that's one question that's important to ask. Where is your heart? There's another one, though, that's good, too. And it's simply this. What will you give? Where is your heart, and what will you give? There's any number of things that a person may give. For instance, we can give treasures, like money or materials. Some of the Israelites gave those. But what were the Israelites really giving? They were giving what God had given them. These items, gold and silver, bronze, and wood, spices, oil, fancy threads. These were all the things that they had received when he rescued them out of Egypt, if you remember back early on in our story. And so when we bring our offerings, just like the Israelites, we're simply giving back to God what he has given us. He blesses us. It's all his anyway. <laughs> it's really not even mine. 
And so we're giving back to God what he has given us. That's one thing we can give. We can give treasures. Another gift that can be given is the gift of time. It took time for them to do all this work. It takes time for us to do things too. And it's the same with us. One of the most precious things that we have, I've heard it said so many times in my life, is time. And we should spend our time wisely on the things that matter. So we can give our treasures, we can give our time, and another gift that we can give is our talent. People who were blessed with certain skills built the tabernacle, it said. Both men and women, it says. This is how God works. He gifts believers to build up his body. And we're to use what we have for his mission, for the mission of God and for the glory of God. So we give of treasures, time, and talents. Over these next few weeks, We'll be journeying through the holidays. Is it okay to talk about that for a minute? (laughs) Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas, New Year's Day. There's a lot on the horizon. And throughout this time, though, God's mission continues. We are to make disciples. That is what we're to be about as a church. And here at Nova, we do talk about offerings the different ones that there are, the different ways that people can give. And this is because we want you to be participants in God's work, working on God's mission through the ministry of this local church. And I'll say that again. We talk about those things because we want you to be participants in the ministry of God through this local church. And this time of year especially, there's a variety of different things. The Joy to the World offering, Operation Christmas Child, which just wrapped up this last week, Nova's Benevolence Fund, Kalina Day Luz, and you can get more information about that starting today, and our regular ongoing ministries all around Nova. And giving to these involves not just finances, but our time and our talents. And I want to give a heartfelt thank you to all of you for your hearts, your generosity, your prayers, and your gifts. I know that you give faithfully of all of these things, your treasures, your time, and your talents, to support the ministries of Nova and also the ministries that Nova is connected with. So thank you for being a part of the mission of God. That's a wonderful and amazing thing. The story of the tabernacle shows that God's grace is the best motivation for giving. We don't give out of a sense of duty. We don't give out of a sense of guilt. We don't give because we're being forced into it or coerced to give. Out of gratitude for what he has done to save us, God invites us to join his mission And make free will offerings to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you journey through the holidays and beyond, I encourage you to ask those important questions. Where is your heart? And what will you give? And I encourage you to join in the mission of God 
as you give of your treasure, time, and talent with a joyful and grateful heart. Amen? Amen.